0: Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. And it just so happens that this week has a lot of STAB specific news. To start the podcast off, we are going to reveal the 2023 STAB Surfer of the Year winners in every single category. Then we're going to go straight into the 2024 STAB in the Dark Surfer, who we also revealed this week. Next up, we're going to hear about Coco Ho and how she's starting a women's surfboard brand. We're going to learn exactly what that means and how she's going to pull it off. We're also going to talk about a new short that we have on the site right now that is basically an electric acid surfboard test, except it's not made by Stab, it's made by somebody else. We'll explain soon. And uh, yeah, last couple surf sins of the year
1: coming up too, so a lot to look forward to. And with that, let's drop in. Mikey, how are you looking great? No shirt. Ah feels good to be back.
0: You know there have actually been talks of making a video component of this podcast for people to enjoy or just anger themselves on different platforms, like perhaps a YouTube or something like that and i've I've heard that one It's
1: this new upstart one,
0: <laughs> so I'm a little um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'd ha- would I have to put a shirt on then? Maybe, maybe not. Sort of part of my brand, but I'm also trying to make no it get away chance. from that. No chance.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's plenty of shirtless stuff on YouTube. And like people getting all sorts of bad stuff happening to shirtless people. I bet. Now that you put it like that, we could probably put it on a host of platforms. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, that the floodgates really open up. I think those are the most traffic channels on the internet than the ones you're referencing. Um, anyway, I have an update on my status. Still sick, and just to provide an update on the conversation we had last week about whether or not it's smart to surf when you're sick, my wife is now just hurling accusations. I am still sick because I'm surfing at me. Um, <laughs> wow! It rained a lot here a few days ago, and I surfed immediately thereafter, and so she's she's just accusing me of still being sick and complaining about it because of that. Yeah, just keep at it. Keep.
0: Just banging away at it. Keep banging away. Eventually, you'll get on sick, and then you can say that surfing saved you.
1: (laughs) That's the plan, my friend. Let's get into the news. Nathan Florence and Katie Simmers are your Stab Surfer of the Year 2023 winners. You saw Katie coming. We talked about it maybe even two weeks out that she was going to be very, very hard to mathematically beat. She doubled the next person. More than doubled. That is hard to mathematically beat, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's math for you folks. Uh, meanwhile, Nathan, he had to lead for a bit, and then votes started swinging closer to Felipe. He got him in the end. Nathan got it done. By way of the Stab Premium members. Yeah, that was fun. They swung the vote
0: hard. Nathan was behind by, like, a significant amount of points going into the last day. He was actually in third place behind Felipe and Ethan. And the STAB Premium members just said, we are having none of that, and just shoved them into the lead and into a very deserving win, in my opinion.
1: Well, thankfully, we have a comment from one of them who identifies as Eric Bogan, who explained the rationale behind the STAB Premium choices, and we'll get into the other because he mentioned some other stuff here, and we'll get into those after. But he wrote, surfer of the year, (laughs) big fucking barrels, edit of the year, big fucking barrels, Best YouTube, big fucking barrels. Film of the year, big fucking barrels. WSL, let's give people trestles again, as that is what they want to see. <laughs> Space, exclamation point, which I love. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eric
0: Bogan, for your insights.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I, I like watching people stand in big fucking barrels. And it turns out that he actually wrote that as a comment on the post in which we revealed the STAB premium members' opinions or the results of the survey that we had with them. And that was because that is exactly how which sh- the opinion was shown in the survey. It was everybody liked the most barrel, big fucking barrel people. <laughs> um, but anyway, big fucking barrels got Nate over Philippe in the end. So. And there is a bit of a, like, not a caveat to that,
0: but... I ended up talking with Nate, it was going to go in this podcast actually, but we ended up just talking for so long and it was so interesting, all the things he was saying that I think we're actually just going to make it a separate podcast that will drop after this one, like probably over the weekend or something like that with our 2023 Stab Surfer of the Year winner. Uh, but one of the things that he gets into is the there's a clear distinction between like, big wave surfing is sort of an umbrella term, right? And Nate surfs big waves, that's inarguable, but he's also not doing the same thing that Sebastian Studener's doing, right? Like, he's surfing tall waves sometimes, heavy waves all the time, but he's doing it in a way that's, like, more technical than it is just get down the face of a giant wall. And he's looking for waves that are typically wider than they are tall. So when you talk about big fucking barrels, like... Yeah, you know, guys can go and pull in at whatever wave, you know, and like, I don't know, there's just a difference between a big fucking barrel and what Nate Florence is doing, which is riding every type of barrel um, and on, on every size board from nine, whatever, to six, whatever, or maybe five, whatever. And he's, yeah, he's just got so much technical ability. And that same goes for Russ. Like, that's why his edit of the year did so well. Um, so it's just... There has to be, like, a little bit of distinction. Like, big wave surfing is not just big wave surfing. There's, like, tiers to it. And I think the guys that are the best are able to surf Jaws and Nazare, but then they can also go and surf some crazy slab where they're doing airdrops into the barrel and jumping over ledges, etc. And that's uh that's why Nate got to where he is today. Yeah, I mean,
1: wide fucking barrel too, I suppose, what you're talking about. I'm not sure if that's a two-way street. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm confident that Nate could go whip into a... 420 foot wave in Nazare and not have a problem with it. Uh, His whoop would probably not even show any crazy statistics from that day. I'm not sure that some of the people that do that could do what Nate is doing. So I don't think it's two-way street. I think he's truly a special human being. I went back and looked at his just YouTube output from this past 12 months, and he has... Films, edits, whatever you want to call them, from Pipe, Jaws, the Azores, mainland Portugal, Ireland, Scotland, New Jersey, Puerto Escondido, South Africa, Namibia, Tahiti, Sumatra, and Australia, which is hard to just put into one country because he went to all, many of the most hectic waves there. (laughs) East Coast, West Coast, South Coast, yeah. (laughs) Um, Scotland, I forget, I've already mentioned that, but like, seriously, nobody is doing what he's doing. Like I, I I don't think we can make that point more clear. Nobody is just looking at a year and what they can do and doing that much and going that hard everywhere. It's fucking wild. It's so cool. And he gets into
0: that in a lot of detail in our chat, so you can listen to that. You know, maybe a couple days after this one comes out. Um, but we have a lot of other categories here that we haven't touched on yet. So the Stab Surfer of the Year 2023 Male Junior winner. He's a two time winner now, two in a row for Huey Vaughn. He uh, sort of made his real step into the mainstream, I think, at Stab High last year in Lakey Peak when he took out some really big heads with a couple of huge airs over there. Um, This year, he was actually going to have a Stab Editor of the Year entry, but decided to hold on it so he could get clips in Hawaii, which apparently he's been stacking over there. But still, even without a big edit drop or competing, he impressed enough people to put himself at number one. He actually quadrupled the next surfer in terms of points so it was pretty much a runaway for Huey
1: yeah I think like you said with his edit it's like when that comes out it will be really good I trust that but I think when we're doing this when you heard from the people that had seen him surf in person which were many people because he travels a lot um, they're the ones who just don't hesitate and go Huey Vaughn like, there's nobody like him at that age. I do think, now that he's a two-year champ, I feel like people are going to get a little bit bummed when he's not in the category anymore. But, oh, shit, like, I just want to keep saying Huey, you know? People forget that, that aging is a thing. Um, and in Sierra, that was a tighter race, though. Sierra Kerr, yeah. the junior. So, Sierra Kerr, this one, um, there's
0: one commenter who has really taken umbrage with our point system. I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, he's on Instagram, he's, he's on the site. So basically the way that we calculate the, the best junior is obviously you get points for people voting for you in best junior. However, if somebody votes for you in the best uh, women's category as well, like the adult category, you get those points added to your junior score as well. Because just by logic, if somebody votes for you to be one of the best women or female surfers in the world, that obviously means that you should get those points for junior as well, because that's including all the juniors. So anyway, long story short, Aaron Brooks technically got more junior votes than any other surfer. However, Sierra finished number seven in the women's, um, which was ahead of Aaron, and those points were enough to push her beyond Aaron in the overall junior category. So congratulations to Sierra Kerr. She's another one who like, you know, we saw her go to the box um, this year, which was really impressive. She went to Tahiti. She did a trip with the um australian uh what's whatever that that group is out of australia like the the surfing federation over there they did a trip to indo where she got some really good waves and um she's been over in hawaii she did really well in the van's pipe masters and she has a film that uh we're going to be dropping on stab premium i believe on february 15th she's been premiering that around the world but as far as going online it's going to go to stab premium first and we are so looking forward to that it's called precursor And, uh, yeah, it is a sign of things to come. There's nothing that They can't resist. They can't. They're like moths to a flame. (laughs) They really are. They love them.
1: (laughs) They love them. They're like, how can we work (laughs) our one-syllable last name into the name of a maneuver or film? (laughs) And they find ways. They do. It's great. They do. That's going to be gnarly, though. It really
0: is. So then we have three other categories that are all related to surf filming, and the first one will go to Best YouTube Channel. This also went to Nate Florence and his primary filmer, Zord, Zord Janko. You've probably seen him, um, at least his name, on Instagram. He's a very interesting character. He also had a little um, cameo in the Vance Pipe Masters broadcast, which was really cool to get some insight from him while he was filming. Uh, They did an amazing job this year, and this was another category where Nate got pushed ahead by the Stab Premium votes. He was actually in second place behind Mason Ho and Rory Pringle, but the Stab Premium members had a clear favorite and pushed Nate to the win there. Uh,
1: On the edit side, this was... Oh, before you get there, I just have to comment. Zord, great guy, but that name... I mean, you have to find a way to make money, and he has in surf filming. He's not making bank, but I think Nate pays him decently well. For fun, he skydives. How fitting is that? How fitting is it that the man named Zorjanko, his favorite thing to do is skydive? It's fucking spot on. Is it not a guy named Zorjanko skydiving? He's got that, or being a magician, and that's how he like relaxes. it's too. Choose one. <laughs> yeah, true. He could have been a he could have been a magician. That's true. A magician. No, he, skydiving or magician. You got two choices of that name, and he's jumping at planes. It's cool. Anyway, keep going. Sorry, I just had to. On the edit side, actually, no. Let's do film first. On the film side,
0: we have "Repeater" by Wade Carroll and "Quicksilver." this was um, pretty much a runaway victory. The only other film that came close actually was Harry Bryant's Motel Hell, which ironically hasn't even been released yet. I actually feel kind of bad for Harry because his film is sitting in this weird time of year where it hasn't come out online yet, but it has premiered across Australia and now in Hawaii. And I think maybe like California a little bit as well. So people have seen it, but not everybody has seen it. And then next year, if it's up for the film of the year again, because technically it releases in 2024, then he's going to basically have people not thinking about it so for like front of mind, because it's going to release earlier later this month, I think also on Stab Premium. So stay tuned for that. Um, But anyway, back to Repeater. Wade Carroll um, is... I mean, Kolohe and Dino probably gave the best description of Wade in his Stab Surfer of the Year picks this year. But he said Wade is pretty much the gold finger of surf film right now. Anything he touches turns to gold. Um, Last year, he actually made the Stab edit of the year with Kale Walsh. That was Idiot Box. So he helped Kale win that Bitcoin. And this year, he has helped Quicksilver win Film of the Year with Repeater. So congratulations to Wade. And that brings us... To the edit of the year, this is um, this is a really big one. I know it's kind of like, it's strange when you think about it on the surface, like an edit is sort of like a shorter thing than a film and, you know, it probably required a little bit less travel and a little bit less logistics with fewer people involved because it's just one surfer. But um, this one wins the Bitcoin. And this was a concerted effort um, on our part to really revitalize surfers making their own parts because... Just with YouTube and everything going on, it just seemed like everybody was going down that vlog route. And we were losing these sort of culturally impactful moments where surfers were putting their best surfing forward and pairing it with music and really making it their own. So we tried to incentivize this starting last year with a Bitcoin um, which we famously bought near its peak and then gave it away last year around <laughs> $30,000, which was, you know, okay. This year, however, it has rebounded and we're giving away a Bitcoin at around $47,000, which is huge. That's USD or around 70,000 in Australia. And that's going to go to Russell Bjerke for Outer Edge of Leisure. And we've heard that Russell is going to split that Bitcoin with his filmer, Andrew Kanader. So good on you Russ, good on you Andrew, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy your your
1: recent windfall. That's such an awesome move. When we were first designing that, that was a question, like how do we, do we set the rules there? Like do we just say, hey, it's the surfer's choice, or maybe just agree? I think our language in the first year is like, just make sure you, whoever the surfer and the main filmer and editor are, have it figured out in advance, but you never really know what's going to happen. And yeah well I, I heard that uh last year there was no sharing of that bitcoin whatsoever oh
0: kale so wade's a double winner and hasn't seen an extra cent because of it because he didn't have any incentives built into his quicksilver contract either which is really interesting and i'm sure something that um he'll be looking to renegotiate at some point because he he has had such a big impact on surfing in the past couple years and um he should i think see some see some return from that for, for how well he's done for Quicksilver and for Kale. Yeah,
1: hey, he's getting Sam Bankman fried out here, not seeing nothing.
0: <laughs> oh, and on that Bitcoin news, um, just this week, it was Bitcoin was approved by the SEC to be basically sold as an ETF, which makes it accessible to just like a much larger demographic. Like basically all the old people who had no idea how Bitcoin worked or where they could buy it can now do that on the um, general stock exchange. So yeah, Bitcoin uh, could keep going up. You never know. It's volatile by its very nature, but right now it's pretty darn valuable. So um, yeah, again, congrats to Russell and Andrew. And also uh, Ethan Davis wrote a really cool piece on the site that is live right now with all three of these filmmakers, Andrew Knader, Wade Carroll, and Zord where they sort of break down what went into their year of filming and filmmaking. So, uh, yeah, you can give that a read as well. Anyway,
1: wasn't it great seeing how it all unpacked, Mikey? You know, you get to see a couple a couple wild cards voted through throughout the process. But, hey, um, as much as I love Michael Hill surfing, he didn't make the top five in the end. And I hate to be the person who says this, but honestly, this would have been my scorecard exactly in terms of winners. Uh, it wouldn't have been my top five exactly, but in terms of winners, this would have seriously been hit across the board. So, congrats to everybody. Well deserved. Thank you for everybody for voting. Thank you for Skull Candy. Thank you to Skull Candy for making this happen. Uh, their support made this possible. And we've got some big plans for next year. And by next year, I mean this year, 2024, which we're about to talk more about. Kalohe Andino is our 2024 Stab in the Dark Star. Dark stars are a thing in physics. Kalohe Andino is our 2024 Stab in the Dark Star. And honestly, this is one of these moments where the internet was so happy. Yeah, well, it's like... You give the people what they want. Yeah, and everybody was thrilled. I On our site, on our Instagram, the amount of positivity oozing out of this announcement made me so excited. I mean, I I was already excited because, I mean, we've toyed with this idea for years. To be honest, I remember, I think, leading into last year's edition, Galeo was interested. We knew that we could get the Italo one going as well. And I remember voting for Italo. Uh, goofy foot. And also, I was like, well, you know, it's cool to get an Olympic champ, world champion, though we had Mick in there. Um, but... I guess I'm wrong. People really want to see Kolohe. And that was so apparent with this announcement. Oh my God. Every, it was just, everybody's really happy. As am I. And I've, I couldn't help myself. I've, I know they're early versions of the episodes, but they've been traveling around on our internal Slack channel at Stab. I've been sniffing around. Have you? Have you been a curious, George? Oh, you know what? I
0: love Stab in the Dark so much that When I'm not involved with it, like last year I directed it, so I was like super hands-on with the entire thing, and getting in the weeds of something like that is extremely fun and rewarding, also very stressful, but I love not having anything to do with one of these projects and being able to basically watch it in its finished form like I'm part of the audience, because it's cool to see how the sausage gets made. But I really love just seeing something that is like put together and done up with its little bow tied on it with Dill Roberts, you know, artistic eye and Sam's, you know, sort of like decisive storyline and creative vision. And I think Danny Johnson's getting involved in some of the script writing. So, you know, that's going to be great. So I'm going to try to stay uh, away from this thing for as long as I possibly can. sometimes people will call me in and ask for, you know, like whatever if I can put my eye over it and of course I'll do that but if nobody asks me I'm holding out until January 23rd when episode one drops
1: oh well I don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk about what I saw because we're gonna have a lot to talk about when they finally go live but yeah I do want to emphasize just how one somebody picked up your hint or at least they said in retrospect, they said on the announcement post but you said that, what were your words exactly? Do you remember you said, like, they haven't been on Stab in the Dark before fully or something. It was, it, what kind was your exact of, yeah. Kind of, kind of. I, yeah.
0: Well, so, okay, so yeah, this all really spawned from, Kolohe had a cameo in Jack Robinson's Stab in the Dark. Jack was the first surfer who had to undergo our Unlucky 13 uh, little twist to the project wherein after seeing all the boards for the first time up against the wall he had to pick one to eliminate just right then and there like you didn't get to surf it whatsoever You just after looking at it feeling it he's got to kick a board out so jack ended up kicking out a town and country board which sort of had a different shape to it like um glen pang even said that when he made it he was trying to make something a little bit different so that it didn't look like all the other boards in the test and that ended up kind of shooting him in the foot, but also kind of not because it made for one of the best segments of the entire show because little did Jack know, he wasn't going to test that board, but we were going to have a different surfer do that. So we brought in Kolohe and Dino in episode four because Kolohe is a similar build to Jack. Obviously, they were both on the CT and sort of at that same level. They have very different surfing styles, however, um, and they also have very different board breakdown styles. And I think we can say pretty um just honestly that kolohe's single board breakdown and that stab in the dark was probably the most like articulate and nuanced of the entire show like kolohe's just a little bit older i think he's had a little bit more experience and exposure to like surfboards i know his dad's a total board geek and whatnot so he was able to sort of just break down what he was feeling under his feet with this tnc in a way that really spoke to the viewers and so we got a ton of comments saying, like, please make Colohe the next stab in the dark person, blah, blah, blah. I went back the other day, and there were at least 10 comments saying that. So we obviously couldn't do that last year. We were doing it with Italo. Um, but we remembered that, and this year it just made sense. Kolohe had, um, had just fallen off tour. And actually, Sam McIntosh um, probably gave the best reasoning behind why we picked Kolohe, because I asked him about it the other day, about what his official reason was. And this is what he said. Because when you have a relationship with surfers, you can push them to be honest and engaging. With the Geordie iteration, I said he could only do it if he was himself and not the WSL post-heat interview version. When they drift off into platitudes, you can pull them back because of that relationship. We've been working with Kolohe for 15 years, and we have that trust. Kolohe is also just great fucking company. He's relentlessly curious. He asks so many questions and changes his mind on fully formed opinions um and also he just gives surfboards the reverence they deserve he took the job so seriously and the upside of him falling off tour was that we had a a longer production window and this could be our best iteration yet that is a quote from sam McIntosh, uh who was there for most of the trip and this one was filmed like jordy's in indonesia but unlike jordy's it was not in the ments it was uh in bali and the outlying islands you could say
1: Mm, i like that there's a few islands in Indonesia, like what, like 17,000? So Something like that,
0: yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was our pick, and we are so freaking excited to get this thing out. I know Kalohe is too. He's been a huge Stab in the Dark fan forever, um, and it was always a dream of his to be on this on this series and now he's here and um yeah we're going to be like i said launching it on january 23rd but before that next week i believe on the 16th we are going to do the shaper reveal so we have 13 shapers this year uh, obviously some of the old favorites and a couple new faces as well
1: mm. oh, it's so good it's that in the dark season it's here folks Coco Ho is starting a women's surfboard brand. Hey, speaking of surfboards, do you like surfboards? That's why you're here. And if you're a female, Coco's got a board for you. You teased this one last episode, Mikey, and it's a fascinating one. Obviously, if you have been following Coco's career throughout its entirety, you have seen a certain logo on her feet, just like her brother's feet, just like her father's feet. Lost. she's been with man forever and with this project she will be working with matt parker of album and so we interviewed her because one it's super interesting to launch a surfboard brand two we want to talk about that switch and three we wanted to learn what made it women centric and this was an interesting chat holden had it with her and she's going for it xo I think
0: this is one of the smartest moves that I've ever seen as far as somebody within the surfing world um, really finding a gap in the market and just jumping on it. Because yeah, in theory, a surfboard is a surfboard. It doesn't have any assigned gender uh, to it. But there are probably a lot of things that we take for granted when surfboards are made um, i think that probably a lot of surfboards are made with the male body in mind whether consciously or unconsciously um, men have been the greater proportion of surfers the vastly greater proportion of surfers for a long time now and so if you're a shaper you're going to obviously try to shape to the biggest demographic that's available because that just makes the most sense but women are surfing more now than ever. They're surfing better than ever. And it only makes perfect sense that um, somebody would come in and create a range of boards that are better suited to their tastes, better suited to their sort of bodies and the way that they work and move through the water. And Coco seems to be, um, yeah, basically jumping right on that. And I think it's just brilliant. And I think they're going to have
1: a lot of success. One thing I have to push back on, Mikey, is that one thing that's called out in this interview is that women's boards should be more narrow so we have we talked to every server who started the 2023 so the last full CT season and got their board dims and on average when you look at the ratio of a board height to width women, in that set, we're actually riding wider boards than men on average. It was not a big difference, but it was a difference. Then again, that is standard shortboards. Er, that we asked them for their standard shortboard dims. And I mean, typical albums, like I saw one on the site today that it was five one by 20 and a half. So you're dealing with a much different surfboard, a much different object, much different set of dimensions. And so... I did read that and was like, okay, well, I could, I could look into this and I could see. And I found that, so I was like, oh, okay, interesting. But that said, that's just a small point. I did just want to say, huh, well, I found that interesting insight. And uh, I'm sure there's a ton of other things you could do to optimize the board for the female body. Or for the female eye. Like, it's, I don't know, I guess maybe an interesting
0: connection, maybe this is a terrible connection, but it's interesting, is uh, Stanley Cups. Have you seen this phenomenon? Stanley Cups? Yeah, not the hockey version.
1: Oh shit shit. How do you put that together? hot hey, we talked about hockey we on this program. We're hockey. a hockey program now. Shout out to all the backcountry skiers who <laughs> like our program. <laughs> okay, so for those people listening, perhaps even
0: Buck that have no idea what I'm talking about. So Stanley is a company that has made like durable mugs for I think over a hundred years. Like they like the like people who went to the freaking work on the railroads had like Stanley mugs, and they're these really insulated things. You could put coffee in them to keep them warm. You could put something cold in there to keep them cold. I think the older versions even came with like a sort of screw top that turned into a cup if you wanted to use it like that, so that you could pour your coffee into the cup and it was all part of the same thing. Anyway, um, something happened in the last couple of years where I think it, I think it started actually with just like a female blogger. Who wrote about this one Stanley Cup that had um, a handle and it had a straw, and she said like how perfect it is for like daily use, and then a bunch of women who read her blog started buying it, and then the CEO of Stanley caught onto this, and he's like, oh, what if we made the cup less of a functional tool and more of almost an accessory? So what they did is they completely changed their. Um, strategy for like marketing these things they made them in a bunch of different like pastel colors kind of women-friendly colors and um, they started marketing them to women and they went from something like um, 25 million in sales to 250 million dollars in sales in a couple of years sorry just fact-checked this it was actually 70 million to 750 million so still 10x just by changing the coloring just by changing the marketing a little bit so the point is that this was typically a, a tool that was used by men who were like workers or whatever and needed something sturdy and reliable. And with just a little switch, just making a few minute changes, they found this new market that 10 xed their income. I don't know if it's going to be the exact same thing with these XO boards with Coco, but I could very well see that happening. I think there's a lot of women out there who just ride Performance boards and whatever, because that's what's sort of available. Like, that's the options that they have in the market. It's either they they ride performance boards or something that is so far away from performance that it's basically like an egg or a log (laughs) or whatever. But I think there's this middle ground that Coco's trying to fill where it's like these kind of fun formance boards, like little twins that you can still rip on. Like, she says she still rides them out at like four to five foot Rockies. And I think that it's really, really going to appeal to a large demographic of women. And I think it could also change the way that young women see and approach surfing like right now it feels like you kind of have to do contests or else you you can't really have a career or whatever in surfing and now someone like coco someone like jalisa vincent who also is starting a female board company um whose name i don't even know if i should say it on this podcast but i will it's pussy surfboards um she's doing that over in australia oh, bad boy i know so i think that they're gonna not only um be successful in selling their boards but they could be successful in marking a sort of cultural shift in female surfing and what it means to be a surfer cuz yeah I just I don't think everybody needs to be riding pointy boards from birth I think you could go a different way with it and I think that these brands are going to make that a more viable option for young girls and
1: women Yeah dude extra straws too throw <laughs> them on
0: Also I th- we we kind of got ahead of ourselves too so the impetus behind this was Coco going on the electric acid surfboard test in 2020 and basically riding a bunch of boards that she never really believed you could ride in anything other than like two-foot surf, just a bunch of like twins and fun boards and stuff. And she found this board by Matt Parker um, and she just fell in love with it. And after that, she had a few years where she would just get boards from Matt. And then they started talking about like, hey, what if we did a thing together? Because I guess Matt had always wanted to do a Uh, female centric board brand so technically speaking uh, album is not connected to this at all it just so happens that Matt Parker the creator of album is going to be the shaper behind XO but they're also finding a female shaper there's a woman in um, Australia that Matt and Coco are working with that she's going to be shaping a lot of these boards as well so not only are they for females but they're by females Uh, so if you want to find anything more obviously Holden did a great interview on the site but um, Buck anything
1: else stand out to you? She got dosed and never came back. I feel like that was the story for a long time. You used to get warned about that (laughs) when you were going to toy around with psychedelics. That Sometimes people never really come back, and that happened with her, so I guess it still happens. Nowadays, they talk about you're going to do ketamine for your mental health or some shit, so (laughs) times have changed. But, yeah, she got dosed and never came back. Premium peak. Did piezel make their own electric acid surfboard test with Jai Glindeman? Be careful, Jai. We saw what happens. <laughs> John, John, be careful. Maybe John is looking at it like I need kind of a more all guy. I got all these, I got all these goddamn world title trophies weighing me down. <laughs> John and Tyler just bringing home all this goddamn hardware. That is uh, really cumbersome for me to store in my office. I need some alt guys. <laughs> and it's funny too, because like Jai's, I wouldn't even consider
0: Jai an alt guy. Like in my mind, Jai could get on tour and fucking win contests if he wanted to. He just happens to not seemingly be going that competition route, at least right now. But he surfs so fucking well. Like, I, God, you watch this guy surf. I mean, this. I think this thing is like 18 minutes long, and. I just watched most of it with my jaw dropped at how perfectly and beautifully he serves.
1: What's the weirdest board in there? Probably the one he picks. Oh, oops. He's going to get dosed, never come back. I mean, can we, in a world where Chris Moore is not going to serve the full CT season, can we talk about, and John's kind of been like, at least he's been talking publicly about the idea of it, like, can we admit the tour isn't the best route for like, I feel like sometimes people like Coco had her years on tour. And it was great, but I feel like young surfers, it's just such like a, I guess maybe it's a, a way to validate yourself so objectively it's saying like, Hey, no, I'm good at this because I made this thing. It's very clear, you know, whereas to like just put out a good film or do something else. It's not as clear. Um, but I, I think if Jai went a more free su- a more free surfing route and even a more alt route, maybe uh, it'd be a good thing. Like do we need Airway on the WSL? I don't think so. I mean, imagine John John right now, like he
0: surfed all of last year without an injury, which is like an achievement in and of itself, but he didn't make the top five. And then he has to watch his brother win surfer of the year, just going around the world, surfing all the best waves. Like there must be, (laughs) his mind must be going like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, shit. Like everyone knows he's the best surfer in the world, but the fact that he doesn't get to even really display that, like, and he's, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It would be like if the best golfer in the world went around and just played like shitty municipality, municipal courses all year long. You know what I mean? When people are out there, playing pebble beach and augusta just
1: like <laughs> i don't know like it's it's crazy it is shout out to the snow bros out there when i was at quicksilver i once pitched an idea i think to get like the best guys to just ride like we set some limit on like the altitude, just like the shittiest mountains, and making an edit out of that, and it was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> that actually sounds. So I, I had that idea. That. <laughs> I was like, "Well, won't it be relatable?" Because it was like I was seeing like more relatable surfing or something. I was like, "Get these people, just have like draw weird lines on this like shitty mountains that are like more relatable for people." I would watch. Shout the out snow bros, that. ski bros. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I get what you're saying, and anyway. This thing's cool. Mikey, I've not watched it yet. I got to be honest with you. I've not watched it yet. That's why I asked you what the weirdest board... Can you describe this weird board, that one? Or do you want to... You don't want to burn that for the people, do you? No, because... So the way that this works is...
0: Um, Pizel and he admits straight up... We talked to him. He's like, look, we understand that this is basically electric acid. Like, he gives Jai five different boards, all not existing models currently. They're all a different color. And he basically tells Jai, go ahead and ride all five of these boards. Surf the shit out of them. We're going to film it. And at the end, you're going to pick your favorite, and that's going to become your signature model. And Jai goes and does it. He rides boards. Like, one of the boards actually looks pretty long. It looks like it's like, six two, like a 6'2 twin fin or something like that, but like pointy, like something that you'd not really expect. And like he's ripping on all the boards. Um, I'm not going to tell you which one wins just yet, but I will tell you that... Uh, it, uh, it started off actually as a board for Eric Knutsen, who is John John's filmer, and Eric wanted a board that was sort of like a one-board quiver that he could bring around the world with him, because as you can imagine, they have like way too much gear to bring with them between all of John's boards, all their camera gear, etc., so he just wanted one board that he could throw in a board bag and surf anywhere and have fun, and Paisel actually didn't even really love the look of this board, but he said Eric loved it, and other people loved it, so he Gave it to Jai to try out, and uh, Jai fell in love with it as well, too. And uh, if you go and watch this on the site, we are going to be giving away one of these boards with Paisel to one of our STAB premium members. So, like I said, it looks a little strange, but it seems to be highly fun and highly entertaining to surf. So you can get yourself one right now if you go onto the site, and, uh, yeah, just do the little sign-up thing for the giveaway, and
1: it could be yours. You think Eric and Zord ever talk? And he's like, "Oh, I just need a board." I'm like traveling the world. It's like, "Oh, Zord's like, you think you travel the world?" <laughs> well, do you ever think that Eric and Zord are talking
0: and <laughs> and Eric's like making these like film masterpieces that get like eighty thousand views on YouTube, and Zord puts out his like raw session with Nate and
1: it gets like a million views. <laughs> and Zord's like, "Yeah, who's the better filmmaker?" like fight. <laughs> <laughs> Really interesting Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, what a time to be alive.
0: All right, well, that's what's going on. Go give it a watch. I promise just the surfing alone is enough to just dedicate 20 minutes of your weekend to. And the fact that you can win a board on top of it is great. And I'm not going to tell you which board wins in terms of what it looks like because you'll be able to pick it out pretty quickly the first time you see it on screen. But I will tell you its name because that is not used in the edit and that is the Precious. So that is the Pizel Precious new model. Go get it on Stab
1: Premium. Mikey, what else we got? We have a WSL season starting quite soon. 28th, I believe we get kicked off. 29th s- maybe, yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, we start with the Lexus Pipe Masters. Wow.
0: Yeah. Apologies to Visla and and Florence who um seemed to have the sponsorship for a couple months there, but got uh they lost their slot. Wow.
1: You are been in a Lexus? Uh I can't Not say I an Uber? Have. no. Anyway, what we've got the uh, we've got previews on the WSL Lexus <laughs> Lex- <laughs> Lexus Pro. <laughs> All right. Anyways,
0: we've got, hopefully, I think we're going to do a little rookie class preview. We've got a lot of new rookies this year. It's time to break them down. I got them all wrong last year. We'll see if I can keep that streak alive. Um, we have a season preview coming. I was t- I've been talking to Paul. I'm trying to get Paul to do um, 2024 New Year's resolutions for every CT surfer. Uh, he already sent me mm-hmm. one for Ryan Callanan, and that's to be more of a cunt. So that's that's one down, and we got 50 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, And like I said before, we also have, I think Harry Bryant's film is going to premiere on Stab Premium later this month. We also might have our first 2024 Stab Edit of the Year entry coming. And a little bit later down the line, perhaps Noah Dean's film MASH and Sierra Kerr's film Precursor. And of course, Stab in the Dark, January
1: 23rd. We're locked and loaded. Get on Stab Premium. Get there. Stay there. Live there. Share your account with your friends. We don't check it. let's get into the surf scene hi guys my name is Philip and I have a surf scene. It happened in 2014 when I was going to be a journalist at Quicksilver Pro France and just before that there was a Tahiti Pro and the famous finals between Kelly and Gaby and uh, Yeah, after that, there was a post on Kelly's Facebook page. There was stated that no matter how good he is, I'm gonna beat Gabby. And so I asked Kelly about it and he said... No, I didn't. No, I didn't. A few moments later... No, you're making stuff up. I never said that. um, Yeah, so uh, that was my only encounter with the 11-time world champ. And that wasn't the best one. So I don't know if I was a bad journalist. I certainly didn't check it right before the event. Or if somebody remembers that post too, that would be awesome. And if not, I'm ready to take a penance and apologize to Kelly. Cheers. Ooh, I love a Slater-Surfson. I love a Slater-Surfson. Mm. We ran that segment briefly when Slater was turning 50, I think, about Slater's stories and so we dug up some great ones there but one of my favorite sins as we're nearing the end of the sin period uh, we have a few more good ones we're sitting on we really like this one so we put it in as well but as we're nearing the end one of my favorites of all time was the guy who left a note on Kelly's car do you remember this one Uh, yes of course yeah he left a note on Kelly's car in um, was it Marubra the, where the Broadway is yep. from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. QS there. Kelly was serving it because he was in Australia. Um, a child, 14 maybe, wrote a note saying, you're going to get smashed referencing his heat the next day against a local surfer. Kelly interpreted that as some... Big jujitsu trained person is going to fight me and pull me out of my bed and beat me up. <laughs> Kelly referenced it in the Broad Boys* documentary, and this guy has just been living with that for years. <laughs> <laughs> All time Surfsin. Uh, I don't think this one is as quite as good as that. But it's still a good one. But you're also, you're you're not
0: a real surf journalist if you haven't made Kelly Slater mad at you at some point.
1: No, you're not. You're really not. And so this guy, I mean, being from Eastern Europe, not from a coastal place, he got right in there, got in the mix, which you got to respect. He edited this really nicely, too. He sent us a nice video that he pulled, the, he pulled the clip of Kelly. I feel like there was that era of Kelly where he spoke that way, too. I don't feel like he talks exactly the same thing, but... I feel like maybe that same kind of era somebody accused him of doping and he kind of took that same tone against the person just being like, you're Mm. just so wrong. Um, And so, yeah, when he said this, I did, it's a hard one because I think Kelly is one of those people that has a really just insanely good memory. Um, Especially when he's saying something confidently like that. Like I, I would trust Kelly's memory. But at the same time, in my head i'm like oh, i kind of remember kelly saying he's gonna smash somebody but maybe it's just like maybe it's just because kelly smashed a lot of people over the years and uh, i'm thinking Well, that. this
0: guy's also talking about a facebook post like i know kelly's pretty prolific on the socials like it started with twitter back and who knows when and now obviously it's more focused on instagram but facebook like is kelly really getting on facebook just throwing out like Status updates about smashing Gabriel Medina? It doesn't seem very
1: likely to me. The way that he Facebook was the thing for a while, man. Facebook was pop He was probably like, hey, I can't When Instagram started, and if you go to this timeline, what was this, 2014? Yep. I guess Instagram was still decently a force by then, but like early days Instagram was shit. It was people taking stupid photos, putting even stupider filters on it. You couldn't have any fun. And so Kelly's probably like, this is dumb. It's just a bunch of weird-looking-ass photos that, like, 18-year-olds think look cool because they have bad taste. Uh, Facebook, you go on, and you're getting comments. You're getting thumbs-ups. You're getting all these things. I wouldn't, I bet he was a Facebook man. I, I want to believe this guy, Mikey. I really do. He
0: was a Candy Crush guy, and I feel like Candy Crush and Facebook go hand-in-hand, hand, so you could be onto something.
1: I really feel like he was a Facebook guy. That might be where he still gets much of his information these days regarding uh, (laughs) medicine.
0: (laughs) So, jury's out on whether or not Kelly actually said this or not. But either way, you clearly struck a nerve with the goat. And um, I I don't know if that necessarily means you deserve a penance, but we're going to give you one anyway because you're asking for it. What do you got, Mikey? Well... (sighs) I mean, to me, this all comes down to, I think this is even before fake news was a thing, but it's um, it's clear to me that you believe anything that anybody says on the internet, as you should potentially, um, but if you're still, if you want to turn this around, and especially if you're still in a quote-unquote journalistic position, I want you to create some positive fake news about Kelly this year and really publish it. Um I, Kelly saves a cat from a tree. Kelly stops Jamie O'Brien from humping a sea turtle. Um, anything really that just like puts a positive spin. I mean, Kelly's going to be 52 this year, I believe, in February, and he's still on the world tour. Like, th- there's there's so much ammo out there that you could just do to just build this guy up even more. So you took a shot at him, and um, it kind of bounced back at you. And now I think just to make this even
1: better, I think you got to put a positive spin on Kelly in 2024. I'm just going to walk away from mine. Mine was going to be a weird thing on that great white surfboard thing that they did. I'm walking away from it. Yours is way better than mine. And as somebody who has distributed fake news many times, (laughs) many times, uh, a highlight of which was getting another surf publication to print a line (laughs) saying, maybe people are dolphins after all. That was the exact sentence that I wanted them to publish. And... Publish it. They did, so I am just gonna offer advice rather than penance. <laughs> and I would look at like Google Kelly. I think when there was a massive swell in the North Shore once. I think it was a Chris Bryan's wife. Um and oh yeah, he saved a kid and, and young child were crossing the road and a just a set came in. They didn't see it because they're on a road and they're like waves don't break on roads. But when it's you know fifty foot on the north shore it does, and Kelly happened to be there right at the time and saved a child. if you were able to put something on an eastern Euro- European website that just was like of that similarity like it's so hard to fact check that just like if you put it out there, I guarantee you you could get surf sites to pick this up if it's just one thing, make it related to your area where nobody else is gonna question it, and um guarantee it, just make it a little bit difficult to fact check. Kind of minor to something like happened in a flash. You have to be there. And so, yeah, we might bite. It may be in elsewhere on our site. So, <laughs> yeah, bonus points if staff if bonus- <laughs> somehow manages to, yeah, to repost it. So, good luck. I really believe you. This is a penance I think is very achievable. And, uh, Mikey, great job because you pretty much talked me out of some weird great white thing um, that was going to do nobody any any favors. So, great stuff. Your mission is clear, my friend, go heal.
0: Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. We are not looking for any new surf sins, um, but we do appreciate these last ones. We're really savoring them before we cut this segment off at the end of January, and we're going to start a new segment in its place. But more on that soon. For now, you have a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks and months. So until next week, and actually, until this weekend when we drop our Nate Florence interview, over and out.